You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> Welcome back. Episode 30 of the Wide Right Podcast. I can't believe we've gotten this far. Episode 30, Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Honey, Elite Sports New York and the Elite Sports Radio Network. Got a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff um, in and around the Giants organization that's happened. And just in sports in general, that's happened over the past week, week and a half. Um, Starting with... The Giants have a pretty big dilemma, it seems, at the cornerback position. Now, we knew they did always with the, you know, not always, but, you know, for the last couple of months or so with the whole DeAndre Baker situation. Um, but now it's it's a pretty significant dilemma. It's, you know, very much unknown who's going to start on that opposite, that starting corner spot opposite James Bradbury. We really don't know right now at all. You know, it was supposed to be Baker originally, obviously. Um, and then he was officially charged with four counts of armed robbery with a firearm. Recently, um, officially charged. If convicted, it's a mandatory minimum of up to 10 years of, excuse me, it's a mandatory minimum of 10 years in prison and up to a life sentence. Um, I don't think he'll get life. Now, I'm not a legal expert, but obviously, but I don't think he'll get life. Uh, but if anything, his Giants tenure... And his tenure in the NFL is seemingly on its way out the door. Is seemingly headed toward the exit. Um, that's what it seems to me right now. Uh, that's what it seems to a lot of people right now, not just me. Um, so, and then by the, Quentin Dunbar was cleared to return to the Seahawks and is off the exemplist, um, which is I don't know. I think that's got to piss off Baker's lawyers. But anyway, so Baker's out. And then the next person was probably going to be Sam Beal. Now he's out. He's opted out of the 2020 season. Absolutely respectable move. I respect anyone opting out, as I've said multiple times before. But like with any opt-out, it's undeniable that this move affects the roster. Okay? That's just a fact. You know, he was supposed to be the next man up, most likely. And now, you know, that's not going to be the case. And then there was the news that the Giants were going to bring in Ross Cockrell. Now, Cockrell spent time with the organization in 2017. Not only that, he spent the last two years in Carolina alongside James Bradbury. Was hurt in 2018, came back, started 11 games in 2019 uh, with Carolina, while Bradbury started 15 games. So it seemed to be a beneficial idea to bring him in. People are already penciling him, penciling him in as a starter and the Giants look to have an answer for the starter the starting spot opposite Bradbury for at least the 2020 season 
But then I don't know what happened in the span of a couple of days. All of a sudden it was, you know, the deal fell through. The deal wasn't happening. You know, Cockrell was not coming to play for the Giants. All of a sudden, Tom Rock of Newsday was the first to report it. Uh, that, you know, apparently Cockrell visited the team. He began the COVID-19 testing protocols, but according to Rock sources, uh, the two sides couldn't come to an agreement. But what happened in that sp- in that span of a few days? What happened? What occurred behind those doors of the organization? What were the Giants offering? And what was Cockrell asking for when it comes to the financials that caused that big of a disagreement for both sides to part ways even after he began the testing protocols and even after he came to the um, even after he visited the team I just don't understand what changed in you know those couple days you know all of a sudden it was you know Giants expected to bring in Ross Cockrell all they seemed to, you know they seemed to have an answer for the next you know year maybe two years who knows now that's not that, that that's off the table now that option has faded. You know, who knows, maybe Cockrell got a better deal from, or better offer from someone else. I don't know, he still hasn't signed anywhere as of right now. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, we don't, you know, not everyone knows right now what happened between those two parties, but Ross Cockrell, not going to be a giant, at least right now. He's At least as of right now, he's not going to be a giant. Um, maybe he comes back and says, okay, I'll accept your offer. Or maybe the Giants come back and say, hey, we'll offer you less. Or, excuse me, <clears throat> offer you more. Uh, but as of right now, Ross Cockrell, not going to be a Giant 20, in 2020. So now with the potential top three options for that spot off the table, where do the Giants go? Maybe they'll cycle guys in and use a committee-based approach. Maybe Julian Love earns a job. Maybe Corey Ballantine improves that much from his rookie year to the point where he earns the job. You know, who knows? I'm big on Julian Love. And I've said this before. I've said it many times. I believe I've said it on this podcast. I've said it, um, I've, I've written about it multiple times. I'm big on Julian Love. I believe he's versatile, he's athletic, and he's intelligent enough, intelligent enough to make the switch from safety... Um, to make the switch back to cornerback from safety. Remember, he was drafted as a corner. He was a consensus All-American cornerback for Notre Dame uh, in 2018, and then he basically played basically played his entire rookie year at safety. You know, relieved Jabril Peppers when Jabril Peppers went down with the transverse process fracture, missed the final five games of the year last year. Um, Julian Love started the final five games at strong safety. So I don't think, you know, given... His intelligence, his versatility, and his prior experience at cornerback and his prior success at cornerback, I don't think he'll have any trouble really making the switch back to cornerback. But who knows? Who knows how he'll fare, especially after basically a lost offseason with no in-person minicamp um, or OTAs or anything like that and virtual meetings and virtual work. Who knows? Who knows right now? It's just the whole cornerback dilemma. It's a weird situation, and I think it's going to make fans less confident in regard to this group's development. You know, improving this group, this improving this defensive backfield was a priority this offseason. 
I mean, they were 28th in the league last year, I believe, with an average of 264.1 passing yards allowed per game. And they haven't been that great in a couple years at this point. Maybe even more, if you want to talk about a consistent basis. And, uh, you know, this cornerback spot that's still unknown of who's going to play in it is making this group's the, the development, you know, might make fans less confident and excited about this group's ultimate development. You still don't know who's going to play that starting cornerback spot. You still don't know who's going to play the slot. And yeah, you can be high on Bradbury, Jabril Peppers, Xavier McKinney. And I am. I'm high on all three of those guys. You know, I definitely agreed with the acquisition of James Bradbury. You know, Peppers and McKinney have the opportunity and the potential to be one of the more athletic and versatile safety tandems in the league in a couple years. But, you know, one spot, one bad spot, can hinder the overall progress of this group, can hinder the overall communication and chemistry. You know, Bradbury, Bradbury, Peppers, and McKinney can do their job and be good at doing their job and, you know, do their job well. But if it's, you know, if Julian Love comes in and he's not as good as, you know, I think he's going to be, or Corey Ballantine comes in and he's not as good as, you know, he could be, it's it could hinder the entire progress of this entire group and hinder the entire success of this entire secondary. Um, so I definitely, I, that's an issue. And it's coming a bad time too. It's coming, you know, training camp starting up. The team is, I think, going to take part in their first padded practice, full padded practice this coming Monday, um, the 17th. Right now I'm recording this on Thursday night, August um, August 13th. So it's coming a bad time. It's It's weird, you know, it's, they, they don't, we don't know. I don't know if they know who's going to start at that spot. You know, who, maybe they'll bring someone in. We don't know right now. And the regular season starts a month from tomorrow. So a month from Friday of this week with the Giants' Monday night game against the Steelers, week one. So that's going to be a situation that they're going to need to figure out at some point in the next 31 days. And the um, 31 or 32 days, rather. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But right now, it's not looking as good as it could. You know, you you wish Baker wasn't going through what he's going through right now. You know, you wish, you know, there wasn't a virus for Beal to opt out from. You know, you wish there wasn't a virus to lead to Beal opting out. Or you wish, you know, things came to fruition between the Giants and Cockrell. There's a lot of things we could have wished right now with this cornerback group. But, you know, right now it's... Um, it's just it's it's not it's 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 a weird situation and who knows if who knows when they'll uh, you know figure it out but we know they will at some point so we'll we'll be looking forward to seeing the decision of who actually starts at that spot opposite Bradbury or if there is a committee based approach they decide to take. Um, moving on, this is good news. Okay, I know we just talked about some weird news, bad news for the Giants with this whole dilemma at cornerback. Now we got some good news. And I think this move is the best move Dave Gettleman has made the entire offseason. I wrote about this. You can check it out. I wrote about this, what, last week? Check it out. LeadSportsNewYork.com. Um, you know, I bash Dave Gettleman a lot. I criticize Dave Gettleman a lot. But for this move, I will not do that. 
because now now that it's finalized and now that Marcus Golden has signed his one year unrestricted free agent tender for around five point one million dollars. What a freaking move. What a move. You know, I've loved this move ever since the Giants made it back in April. But we still needed to show patience with it. Um, You know, the move didn't become official until the deadline passed on the first day of training camp and Golden actually signed this tender. Basically, if you don't know what happened, the Giants placed the rare unrestricted free agent tender on Golden. What, What does that mean? Okay, basically so... They placed Golden had tested the waters in free agency after playing out his one-year deal with the Giants last year. Okay, he tested the waters this free in free agency this offseason. No one had signed him by late April, and so the Giants did what's called they placed the unrestricted free agent tender on him. Some call it the May fifth tender. Basically, what that means is if no one else. Once they placed the tender on him, if no one else signed him by, I believe, the first day of the first training camp or July 22nd, whichever was later, the first day of the first training camp ended up being later, um, the Giants would, if no one else signed him by that point, I believe 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern time of the first day of the first training camp, the Giants would thus retain the rights to him for the 2020 season. It's a move that I've never heard of, and I'm not alone. Pretty sure even Golden didn't even know what the move was. Wonder what the news was like for him when that happened. And, uh, but when I read about the move initially when they made it back in April, I was, I thought it was a genius move. Now, they still needed to wait out a couple months, you know, for Golden not to sign elsewhere. But that's what happened. He didn't sign elsewhere. And that patience paid off. You know, I, I said I criticize him a lot, but Gettleman, Gettleman and his front office saw Golden wasn't garnering much attention for, or much interest from the rest of the league. They realized that, you know, I think Golden was reportedly asking for $10 million in annual pay at one point. They saw the rest of the league wasn't buying into that. They weren't going to do that. And, you know, Gettleman stayed patient. And they made a move, a rare move, in order to acquire their top pass rusher from 2019 for less than $5 million in base salary. Think of how valuable it is. Golden's not a star. Okay, he wasn't a pro bowler last year. But Golden is valuable for this pass rush to even be relevant. He He totaled 64 pressures last year, okay? Who had the next most? Lorenzo Carter. With 34. He had 10 sacks last year. The next most, O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter. Tied for four and a half. Okay, so he shattered everybody else in those two uh, statistical categories when it came to rushing the passer. Not to mention, Golden was also the first Giants linebacker to hit double-digit sacks in a season uh, since Lawrence Taylor did it in 1990. Uh, LT at 10.5 that year. And he was the first giant, period, to reach the double-digit sack mark in a season since Jason Pierre-Paul had 12.5 in 2014. So the first time in nearly 30 years a Giants linebacker hit double-digit sacks. First time in five years any Giant hit double-digit sacks. 
As I just said, he's not a star, but he's valuable. And the fact that the Giants and Gettleman were able to pull off this move in order to retain him for a cheap deal for for cheap is incredible. They were able to place a rare tender on him in order to get back their best pass rusher from a year ago for cheap. Less than $5 million in base salary. That's an incredible move. And that's why I think it's the best move Gettleman has made all season. All off season, rather. Now, if he does, if Golden doesn't impress in 2020, they could just not resign him. Simple. It's a one-year deal. And he's not playing, and he's not playing on, he's not getting paid that much more uh, in 2020 than he did in 2019. In 2019, I believe it was a $3.75 million contract. It was basically a one-year prove-it deal. This is another one-year prove-it deal. Last year's prove-it deal was basically on the grounds that, okay, prove that you can show you can bring some value to this pass rush and to this overall defense. Golden did exactly that. Now, this one-year prove-it deal is, okay, prove that you can do it on a consistent basis. So now, Golden's job is to do what he did last year once again, if not more than he did last year. You know, either keep doing what he's doing or get better at it. That's his goal for 2020. They know he can bring value to this defense. Now the Giants want to see if he can do it consistently. And if he can't, they can just not re-sign him. But if Golden does prove to be as good as he was in 2019, or even better, a lengthier deal can be offered. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. And the fact that they are able to do all this, you know, stay patient, realize Golden wasn't garnering much interest from the league, place a rare tender on him, and get him back for $5 million, less than $5 million in base salary, absolutely incredible move. Not bashing Dave Gettleman here. No, no, no shot. No shot. Okay, this is fantastic. So now you got a pass rush with Golden, who's going to be the leader of the pass rush, undoubtedly. And then, you know, Lorenzo Carter's looking to have a big, I would say, you could say a comeback year. He wasn't, you know, Lorenzo Carter wasn't awful last year, by no means at all. He wasn't bad. But he didn't exactly progress much from his rookie year. You know, they the Giants thought and Giants fans thought he could potentially be the team's, you know, leader in the pass rushing department in twenty nineteen after his, you know, promising twenty eighteen rookie campaign, but you know, Golden was the undoubted leader of this pass rush. So and not to say Carter was bad, but he didn't exactly develop much as we thought he would. So Golden's or excuse me, Carter's looking to have um Carter's looking to have a bounce back year, I guess. You know, I get you could you, I think you could call it a bounce back year, or at least a year where he shows some sort of significant development because last year he didn't. And then you got, you know, O'Shane Zimenez, you still, you know, he's still improving, he's still developing, still developing. You know, you, you still don't know what you're going to get out of him at his peak, but you know, maybe that's you know, significant production. You know, we still don't know. He was good. He tied for second on the team in sacks last year. I understand, you know, that was only four and a half. But, you know, he he sort of stood out in certain circumstances for this pass rush and this defense last year. So maybe he can build on that this year. And then you go, you got Kyler Fackrell, who had ten and a half sacks just two years ago. Not to mention had ten and a half sacks with Patrick Graham, the new Giants defensive coordinator, at his, as his uh, linebackers coach in Green Bay. Uh, Carter Coughlin, rookie out of Minnesota, was twice named second team All Big Ten. 
um, you know, in in a conference that includes guys from, you know, Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State and Penn State and Wisconsin and the, you know, that's a, we'll talk about the Big Ten actually in a little bit, but, you know, that's, uh, that's another guy who could be used, you know, here and there, and, you know, maybe this pass rush won't be as bad in 2020 as it has been, you know, in recent years. You know, I, I, I think, I, you know, I as I've said multiple times just in this podcast episode, Golden's not a star, but he could lead this team, This he, excuse me, he can lead this pass rush and he can bring significant value to that area of the field. And I think he, you know, should be able to do, to do that again. And I th- think, you know, if the Giants get, if the Giants utilize good, you know, chemistry and consistent production from the others, I think they'll be fine in that area um, of the game. So I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not the most confident I could be in the pass rush right now. You know, right? I'm not, you know, the most confident, the highest level of confidence possible in this pass rush right now. But, you know, I'm not down on them at all. I think, you know, there is part of me that says they could be good this year. You know, they just have to, you know, put it all together. And hopefully they'll be able to do that with, you know, a new defensive coordinator and Patrick Graham, uh, new, you know, outside linebackers coach and, and um, Brett Bailema and, you know, defensive line coach, defensive line will get in the mix. You know, should, you know Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson will be getting in that mix as well as far as rushing the passer is concerned. So, um We'll see how that goes, but I'm not, I, I'm not too down on the pass rushes, the pass rush for this season. I think they'll be at least decent. And so, finally, another topic I want to get into before I let you guys go. Thank you if you've gotten this far. I know it's tough to listen to me rant and rave for 20 minutes, if that. Um, this isn't a Giants topic. This is something more uh, broad. So the Big Ten and the Pac-12, as many know. Um, their football seasons have been postponed. So essentially, the, the you know these seasons are not happening this fall amid the COVID nineteen pandemic, which you know apparently isn't done canceling events. You know, in March there was a plethora of things canceled. You know, the NBA season not canceled, not just canceled, but you know suspended or postponed. You know, they had the the NBA was suspended, and the NHL was suspended, and the MLB was put on hold, and you know this and that and there was it all happened in the span of a couple of days March Madness got canceled and uh, college spring sports got canceled you know I was upset about that because I'm a big college lacrosse fan so that got can- that season um, got canceled but apparently the coronavirus related cancellations are not done and um, Big Ten and Pac-12 football seasons have been postponed um, you know, Big Ten at least is trying to have it in the spring. Who knows if that'll work, especially considering, you know, the NFL draft is in the spring and, you know, kids are graduating in the spring. Um, so who knows if that'll work. But this is definitely something I sort of saw coming and something that I'm sure many others saw coming as well. I understand players want to play. I understand the hashtag we want to play. I understand, you know, everyone's desire to play. You know, this is the game that these guys love. They should want to play. I totally respect them for that. But there are some things that are just bigger than sports. This virus is 100% one of those things. It just is. You know, it's it 
this virus is bigger than sports, especially with football. You know, football is a tough sport to play under these circumstances. All the sports are tough to play under these circumstances. But football, I mean, baseball is a little easier because there's not as much player-to-player contact. You know, basketball and hockey are a little bit easier because there's not as many players, so a bubble system can be utilized, which is what they're doing in the NBA and the NHL right now. And the NCAA might be talking about doing that with college basketball as well, uh, doing a bubble system. You know, football may be nearly impossible. And we haven't even gotten into the, you know, it, it's it's all been, you know, is football going to be able to happen? How are they going to play football, this and that? It's It's been all talk the last five months. Now it's coming up like, oh, like, this is going to, you know, decisions are actually going to have to be made within a month or so. You know, the last five months, it's okay, we'll see how things go, we'll see how things, you know, play out. We'll, you know, the, NA, the NCAA or NFL, they have time to, you know, make these decisions and things like that. Now it's like the season's in a month or so. The college football season would be in less than a month. And it's, you know, crap. It's like close. These these decisions have to be made. And now we, we can't just talk about it. Now we have to see if this is actually doable. Football may be nearly impossible to do under these circumstances. We still don't know for sure if that'll happen because we haven't been able to see any games the NFL, the NFL and NCAA have yet to play any games under the coronavirus concerns. But I think this whole Big, 12, Big Ten, Pac-12 uh, stuff, I think it's a major domino that could lead to even more cancellations in the world of football. You know, I still think, part of me still thinks there's a chance that the NFL doesn't happen. But part of me thinks it will happen because I think the league is so afraid of losing out on that much revenue for the year that part of me thinks they'll go with it, they'll go through with it anyway. But, you know, it, it's, and the numbers have, as far as the NFL, the numbers have been fine thus far with, you know, positive testing and things like that. But, you know, full padded practices have yet to really occur. And legitimate on-field matchups between different teams in which one team had to travel to get to that game has also still yet to happen. So we still don't know the extent and we still don't understand the extent of how everything will turn out. We can guess. We could argue. We could go back and forth on what will happen. We could have groups of people that are saying, oh, it'll work, it'll be fine. We could have groups of people that are saying, oh, no, it won't be fine. But we won't know everything completely until we actually see these games, you know, occur. That's what's kind of scary about it. You could be confident about the NFL right now and the numbers that are coming out, but... Regular season, you know, or not even just any games have yet to happen yet. So we don't know how it's going to turn out. And it's creeping up close. As I said, the NFL, the week one's a month away. That Chiefs-Texans game on the Thursday night opener is less than a month away. And decisions have to be made quick. But, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12, the, the decisions to postpone their seasons, that's a major fall and domino. 100%. It's a major domino. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's not looking great for a football season right now. It's already not great for football season right now. You know, Big Big Ten and Pac-12, that's two power, two power five conferences saying no to playing this year. It's, you know, that's, 
it doesn't entirely ruin college football, but it ruins a big part of it. You know, if the if the Big Twelve and the SEC still play, you know, we'll, the fans will still have that, but it's it's not going to be the same. You know, it's not going to be the same exact you know atmosphere in college football as a whole. You know, no Ohio State, Michigan, no um, Michigan, Michigan State, no Ohio State, Penn State, no Penn State, Iowa, and then you got in the West Coast, no USC, UCLA. You, you got all these, you know, no, no Utah, no Oregon, all these teams. Yeah, it doesn't entirely ruin the entire. It doesn't ruin the entire college football season, but it ruins a significant uh, chunk of it. So this is a major fallen domino. I don't think you know it's 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 tough. It's it, it, it. Some things are bigger than sports, and this virus definitely is. But it's it's undeniable that it's a it's a tough uh, situation. But I want to thank you all for tuning in to episode thirty. Um, so happy we were able to get 30 episodes in this far. It's amazing how we've gotten to this point. Uh, I want to thank all of you for, um, especially the consistent listeners who tune in, you know, every time I drop an episode. I know I don't do it, um, you know, consistently. I know I'm not organized with it. I have, try- hopefully I, if a season does occur, if the NFL season does occur, I will be more organized with it because I'll do, you know, once or twice a week based on, you know, the Giants previous game and, the, you know, do an episode on, you know, a preview for the next game, things like that. Kind of what I used to do with how I started this podcast last season. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, check podcast out at you know, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, any of the major platforms. Follow me on Twitter, at RyanHoney, E-S-N-Y. That's at RyanHoney, E-S-N-Y. And, all right, I'm out of here. Have a good one.